0: Alright, all right, Day 240. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith and I want to congratulate everybody listening today because this is the last day of the Old Testament for this year, right? This is the last day of the Old Testament. Give yourself a round of applause. If I had the little uh, add-in where I could add in the claps, I would but I don't but um yeah man super proud of <clears throat> so many and super grateful for so many who have uh joined in and continue to uh work through the text right it's so much the bible is so big it's so much to learn it's so much to read it's so much to listen to but it's really <clears throat> a big deal uh that you guys have made it all the way through the old testament uh, once again so uh super grateful for you guys this is the last day to ot listen this th- uh, side note this goes to show how important the old testament is fam we are like in the like almost near the middle uh still the beginning of october though 10th month of the year uh or ninth month of the year um am i getting that right Eleventh, uh, 10th month 10th month <laughs> 10th month of the year uh And like, we're still in Old Testament like that, like that should show you like how important it is. All this backdrop, all this history that is important for the New Testament authors, for Jesus, for Paul and for uh, the rest of the New Testament. And so, yeah, I hope you have seen God better in this time. And yeah, we're going to finish and keep checking along uh, through scripture all right so malachi the main thing god wants to get across in this book is the idea that the exile did not work (laughs) surprise right the exile didn't work right israel still has hard hearts right they are back into the land this is in the post-exilic period some would say this is over a hundred years after the temple's rebuilt like cats should be settled by now you see what i'm saying like you you should have thawed out from (laughs) from 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 model rebellion (laughs) from 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 centuries i mean for uh for, for decades right and so malachi's name His name means my messenger, right? Showing that the book is not about the prophet, right? But it's about the one speaking through the prophet, right? So Israel has returned from exile, right? They back on their foolishness, right? Restored back to the land, temples rebuilt. But the restoration listen, the full restoration from Deuteronomy 30, Jeremiah 30 to uh, chapters 30 to uh, 33, uh, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37, all those promises have not been fulfilled, right? Um, and the book it's interesting, has this neat little literary structure where it is centered on these six disputes that God has with his people right the first half of the book he will expose them in the back half of the book he is primarily concerned with confronting them and in many ways um, many have said that this book is a summary of the entire Old Testament up until now right and so the book starts off with a questioning of the Lord's love it says this I have loved you says the Lord yet you ask how have you loved us stop right there Uh, one of the things you're going to see all throughout this book is that that they are going to question God right God's people are going to question God and the beauty of this is God responds fam like God does not have to respond to our questions but he in fact and indeed does he says wasn't Esau Jacob's brother this is the Lord's declaration even so I love Jacob but I hate it Esau, I turned his mountains into a wasteland and gave his inheritance to the desert jackals. Listen, one of the ways we can be sure that God loves us is looking back at the fact that he chose us. Right. Um, The doctrine of election. Right. Is this biblical doctrine that is very difficult that we all can't. I don't care how smart you are. Wrap your head fully around. But it's one that isn't true and indeed true. Right. We know God loves us because he chose us right God starts off talking about his love for his people I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse uh, I believe it's verse 4 he says um in him we've been chosen in love right like in the Messiah in Christ we've been chosen in love before the foundation of the world right God had his love set upon us before we could ever love. him. God says you know we were his long before he was ours And he talks about the the covenant relationship he's had with them in the back half of the the chapter. Listen, interesting is an indictment against the priests in Israel. Right. So he's going to move and he's going to talk about the way in which Israel. No, no. Y'all have defiled the Lord's temple. Y'all have dishonored him. Y'all have dishonored his name. How? The priests in Malachi's time. Check this. We're presenting blind, lame and sick animals to sacrifice before the Lord. So in actuality, listen, they shouldn't question God's love for them they should question their love for God, right? It's never, this is the beauty, God's love is uh, static, right? Like it, it never changes, right? He will always love us regardless of how things feel and seem. The only thing we need to be mindful of is do we really love him, right? And what they're doing is, is this direct uh, they, they have this direct uh, violation of the Torah right Deuteronomy 15 Deuteronomy 17 Leviticus 22 all talks about not uh, or presenting blameless animals before the Lord interesting let's, let's let me uh, make a quick, quick connection real quick the blameless lamb motif right we, we think about the person and work of Jesus who was this spotless lamb they use imagery from Israel's uh, cult cult just means uh, worship so they use imagery from Israel's worship to talk about how Jesus will be the perfect lamb of God without any sin without any defect so here going back here to the Old Testament period like they were presenting these defected animals before the Lord and the Lord had specifically (laughs) commanded them to do so and to make it so bad I love this they didn't just present lame and blind sacrifices to the Lord some of those bad boys were stolen fam no no no. they came to worship with stolen goods chief like stolen goods and this is so terrible because the people of God had begin to see the worship of God as a burden, as a way of simply doing something that was a duty, that was a delight, something that was an obligation rather than an opportunity, rather something that was a nuisance rather than a privilege. And listen, when we begin to see our worship of God this way, we take shortcuts, fam. Like we cut corners, right? We live in ways contrary to his word just to kind of get by, <laughs> right? Or we completely, disregard it and god is saying y'all have displeased me right like you have displeased me and um it's interesting too because again the priests if we remember leviticus especially uh i believe it's 19 2021 20, um the priests were to be the holiest people <laughs> like it's very similar and I, and I see the connection some people make uh, with this it's very similar to the pastor and, and what i mean by that is this like when you read uh the pauline epistles or, or the pastoral epistles you see that um how much ca- like the character qualities that paul says um pastors are supposed to have right they were supposed to be above reproach repro- right they should be an exemplar of godliness at least right and so the priests in the in the old testament period were to be the exact same way right but even even more so i think because they were going into the presence of god with uh sacrifices before the people of god and so um yeah like i, I think the text wants us to know listen we are often hard-headed because we are hard-hearted, right? We're hard-headed because we're hard-hearted. And I, I think that's the, the, the central thrust. I think I said this at the beginning. That's the central thrust of what Malachi's trying to say, fam. Like, these cats need change, right? It is not just about a geographical location. It's about uh, something internal. And so the priests, uh, the Simone, the supposed uh, leaders among the people are the ringleaders of rebellion. Chapter two comes. <clears throat> God is going to say, yo, man if this stuff don't change I'm going to treat you with contempt right he 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 says um, he will remove them from service and bring upon a curse right the the priest and God will go back to his covenant faithfulness to his people to jog their memory right as to why they have no business dishonoring him right the way they have right he says no no no, I made a covenant right with Levi right the Lord will say he said I set them apart to provide service right via the sanctuary and worship and they were instructed with the teaching of the people of God the Word of God but it says this for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should desire. desire instruction from his mouth because he is the messenger of the lord of armies you on the other hand have turned from the way you have caused many to stumble by your instruction (sighs) i love it because god man he takes leadership and instruction amongst his people so serious right because hear this in some senses the livelihood the direction the formation the convictions the beliefs right of his people are shaped and nurtured and in influenced heavily, even more heavily than we realize by those who are leading, by those who are teaching, by those who are in positions of authority. And it's interesting because I mean you just see like oh man, like it it, it really does work, even if we don't want it to, right? Like, even if you don't want to to say that leadership like has that kind of influence. All you have to do is really like look around you, right? Like if you think about false teaching that is rampant in the church, you you see that it comes from false teachers, right? Like people just don't wake up believing weird and wonky things. No, no, It comes from somebody who is instructing them about these weird and wonky things, right? And so you see that the Lord is like, fam, y'all supposed to be leading, y'all supposed to be teaching. This is why I'm so upset because you're leading people astray, Right. And it gets worse he says israel he says um y'all y'all marrying foreign wives right like y'all were marrying foreign wives that worship other gods in clear contradiction to the torah as well right and even worse than that um and this is wild cats cats said cats were uh and remember ezra and nehemiah right told us about this too but cats were divorcing their wives fam to go marry foreign women like like wild. you think you think people be wilding now <laughs> that's a castle's right and it's insane so so like we see not just the breaking of god's covenant right vertically right like vertically between us and god but breaking of god god's covenant horizontally right the marriage covenant and man i, I could talk about this one all day not because i'm an expert because but because it, it just yeah it's just kind of rampant in our time but um just the way in which our walk with the lord in worship or lack thereof affects everything everything else in our lives right Like, notice the progression of this text, how they start off, they have hard hearts toward the Lord, and that has led them to do away with their spouses, right? And I want to say this, like, spousal fidelity is often intricately tied to spiritual well-being, right? Spousal fidelity is often tied to spiritual well-being. And, you know, I think many times we've heard, and this breaks my heart, of a man or a woman leaving the faith or just in an extremely rebellious place towards God, and as a result, they leave their spouse or hurt their spouse and this isn't always the case but it has been and 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 it was here in the nation of israel and what we see man is marriage is a three-way covenant right man towards woman woman towards man and both toward and with god primarily right um and yeah if the relationship with the lord isn't right marriages will suffer and possibly terminate right and my prayer is that this wouldn't be so uh wouldn't be prevalent in our own day and generation Malachi three comes. He says, see, I am going to send my messenger. Stop right there. Uh, Literally, uh, it's hard to see in English, but the word my messenger means Malachi. So literally, I'm going to send my Malachi very much a play on words, and he will clear the way before me. Uh, Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, you delight in. See, he is coming, says the Lord of armies uh, this is what we have talked about in the prophets called the day of the Lord right it is quoted at the beginning this 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 text will be quoted at the beginning of the Gospels when my man John the Baptist right comes on the scene and prepares the way for the coming of the Lord right and so uh you know John Baptist comes on the scene and we were literally I think talk about this in mark but John the Baptist comes on the scene coming to prepare the way to Lord, and guess who shows up Jesus right and uh, similar to what John will say Malachi says here he says um just like yeah, like just like Malachi was saying, uh, or it's or it's just like John the Baptist was saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand." Malachi would say the same thing. He's like, "No, no, return, right, Look, like, like repent, 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 repent from your crooked ways and evil and oppressive ways, and I will and, and and I will return to you," right? Says the Lord, and I think uh, we we hear that, but we don't remember uh, I, I, like the tone of that, right? So it's like, no, no, return to me, and I will return to you. And what the Lord is saying is like, there's a glimmer of hope, right? Even amongst rampant sin it is a sign of god's grace that he still sends the invitation of repentance fam because he doesn't have to right like you 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 realize um how good god is when he does things that he doesn't have to do and people ask hear this how can we return to god and god is like no no stop robbing me (laughs) like stop robbing me chief pay your tithes right and the word tithe here is is just a tenth right that's all it means folks take a tenth of what they have and guess what they do they bring it to the temple to fund the ministry of the priests right so that they could have proper worship amongst the people of god now all going back to the temple and worship this also goes back to the temple and worship because, uh, listen, it was the center of the Israelite community, right? The temple was the center of their community. That's why they go back and rebuild it first, right? And so once again, this failure to the tithe is indicative of the spiritual state of the people. In other words, what they did with their money said something about their soul. And this is and this is a word. Um, this is a whole word, right? Um, to detect where we are spiritually, sometimes we need to read our Bible, right? And at other times, we need to read our bank statement right? Like we, we, re- we really need to see the things that we're spending money on because it says something about our longings, our loves and our desires. And sometimes they can be, they can be indicative or a window into seeing that our longings, loves, and desires are not oriented towards the kingdom of God. So the Lord comes and he says, test me, right? Like, no, no, he says, test me, right? Listen, testing God with rebellion and grumbling. And disobedience is wrong but to test him with obedience is not he says i dare you just be faithful and obedient to what i've called you to and watch what i will do and look what the text says after this you have said it is useless to serve god this is what the people of god are saying what have we gained by keeping his requirements and walking mournfully before the lord of armies um you know in other words they're saying no no no, like in light of our difficulties and circumstances uh it's led us to conclude that there's no point in serving you Lord. um and they feel like we do oftentimes right like we're very much alike like we 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 say this all the time like no no no. what's the point (laughs) no no god like why should i serve you nothing is changing i'm not changing all of the things you said in your word don't seem to line up with reality right more than that the arrogant and wicked people who don't serve you prosper right they got money they have a nice marriage they have happiness they have tons of followers on social media they' they have influence and platforms. silly stuff but like this is the kind of stuff we say in our hearts and so god in other words um says you know so 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 they're saying so god in other words what is the incentive to obey and the the way god responds is 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 very interesting he says he says wait <laughs> like he, he he says wait he says He says, wait on the day of the Lord. Look at four verse five. Look, I am coming to sing you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. So he says, wait. Now watch what he does. The New Testament is going to tell us that Elijah, the Elijah that was promised to come in the last times was who? John the Baptist. Now, it's interesting because the Gospels show us more than they tell us. Well, Jesus tells us. Jesus is like, no, no, he was the Elijah to come. But also like John the Baptist is going to have on the prophet starter kit. I took this from my man, John o. Uh, He has on the prophet starter kit. He has on uh, he has this camel hair with a leather belt. Right. And that's what uh, Elijah was wearing in two Kings 1:8. But John the Baptist, when you open the Gospels, is wearing the exact same thing because this is supposed to trigger in the Israelites mind that this is the Elijah at the end time. Super dope. So, in other words, though, the messenger, he is the messenger, right? John the Baptist. They were prepared to come into Yahweh. We talked about that. Who's also called the day of the Lord. Now, the verse reads, I love this. It says the great and terrible day of the Lord. Don't miss that. It says the the day of the Lord is going to be great and terrible. Now, why would he call, listen, why would he call the day of the Lord the coming of God? Great and terrible, those two adjectives aren't even remotely close. And remember, the day of the Lord is a major theme throughout the prophets. And he says, what he means is this. He says, it, it will in one sense be a day of blessing for God's people. And at the same time, a day of judgment for the wicked. And so what God is saying here is that in the last days, he will judge those who remain in rebellion towards him. But he will bless those who turn in to him in faith and repentance so in other words to ask like no why should we why should we serve you god says wait but he's like no no because you're going to have my blessing like you're going to have my blessing but 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 you got to wait for it (laughs) like you have to wait for it to come and the beauty of this text is that the person of jesus comes right he is the one who brings about the heart change and the repentance and all the things we're actually looking for right his name is Christ. His name is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And he is the one who the entire redemptive story of scripture is centered upon. And he will be the one who is always and who always will be the one who fulfills God's promises that the people of God are longing for, right? they we like, we like, no, we have to take God for his word and wait and hope for his coming. Listen, to bring it back home, if you are wondering if serving God is even worth it, Or when you're tempted to worry in that direction, we have to, uh, as uh, the great Cornel West says, we have to give ourselves over to being prisoners of hope. Right. Just like these Israelites needed to wait and see what God does. We need to often wait and see what God does and what God is going to do in your life and what God wants to do in our lives is through the person and work of Jesus. May we turn to him in a wait, in waiting and in hoping. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would give us uh, grace today to wait on you and what you're going to do. We love you and we thank you for this beautiful story in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and how it all points to the work of your precious son. We can't wait to see what you show us uh, about your precious son in the days.